by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Matthew 12, 40 says, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Why did Jesus do that? Why is Jesus compared to Jonah? Well, that's something we'll discuss before the day's over. Today's message is entitled, if you're following along on your sheets, you can fill in the blank, A Ticket to Tarshish. A Ticket to Tarshish. T-A-R-S-H-I-T. S-H, Tarshish, as we say in Mississippi. T-A-R-S-H-I-S, no, S-H, something. Anyway, we're continuing our series entitled God's Great Commandments, or God's Great Plans for You, I think it is, God's Great Plans for You. We've been talking about all kinds of things in this series, mostly the Great Commission, and the great commandment to love and to go and tell people. Last week, how many remembers we talked about Joseph, a man who was, whose whole hogatry led to never quittery. <laughs> he was whole hog for Jesus, and he wouldn't quit on his goals, on his, on his calling, what God had for him, no matter what circumstances he went through, he remained faithful to the Lord. But this week, we're going to talk about a man who went the opposite way, who ran from his calling. His name, Jonah. Look at your neighbor and say, Jonah. <laughs> Turn to Jonah in your Bible. It's actually a book in the Bible. It's not just a fairy tale. I don't know where it's at, but it's in there. Jonah. First person to find it, yell out and tell everybody else where it's at. Okay, so I've already established that. Thank you. All right, all right. So towards the end, right? The uh, Old Testament. All right, that's why I wrote mine down. But it'll be on the board. Page is still turning. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll stay in the book of Jonah a lot today, so if you'll just keep your finger there, even if we go somewhere else. Jonah 1, verse 1 says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So Joseph, uh, Jonah has received a calling. He's received direction from God. Would you agree? But verse 3 says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down 
to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. There you go if you need to learn how to spell it. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. How many knows that God's in Tarshish too? <laughs> I don't know, but if you look at Nineveh on a map, it's the direct opposite direction of Tarshish. It's over in Turkey or somewhere. I don't know. But how many like you, don't raise your hand, are like Jonah, running from some direction that God has given you, running, maybe running from your calling altogether? God has given you a direction, but you said, no, Lord, I'm going the opposite way. It's understandable. We all have done that at times. God gives big tasks. He asks big things. It's only human that we feel like afraid sometimes. That's too big for me, God. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go the opposite direction. But as Christians, we should learn to face our fears and not run from them. That's on your sheet. I put the sheet stuff on there to keep you awake. In my life, I'll admit I've had a lot of fear growing up, you know, especially when you don't have a dad in the home. All of us come from situations, you know, that, that we have situations where we feel fear. We're, we're all apprehensive about something. I was afraid of success as much as I was failure. And I was afraid of failure too. You know, I wanted to be a musician. I would write songs and I would record them and I would just spend hours upon hours recording this song to get it just perfect. And then I would be afraid to send it to a publisher or something, afraid that they would reject me. And then I would send, or I'd finally work up the nerve to send one, and then I would be afraid that they would accept it. Because then what would I do? I don't have any more or something. You know, there was always this fear, and so it would just keep me from even going for it. Does anybody feel like that? You know that you should be going for something in your life, but you don't? It's, it's fear many times. Edwin Christian said, most people running from God are actually running from themselves out of hatred and resentment for their own sins. Oh, there's something I forgot to mention. A love for sin, a love to be in the darkness won't let you get out into the light and do the things you're supposed to do, right? So you can't have a love for sin. So most people are running from God or actually running from themselves out of hatred, resentment for their own sins, or their inadequacies. They, they're looking at self. They never stop to think, God is with me, and if God be with me, who can be against me? But they just look at their own inadequacies, inadequacies failures, and shortcomings. In short, many, many of us are just running from ourselves. We're scared. We're scared to try to do the things that God called us to do. Some of us are afraid to fail. You know, failure is a part of success. Most people who ever had any success learned that failure was part of the process. They failed over and over and over until they learned the things not to do. Then they could learn the things to do. So failure is not a bad thing. It's just staying down once you fail, and it's letting failure, the fear of failure, stop you from even trying. Anyway, back to our scripture Verse 4, I'm, on, I'm preaching a little fast today because we're running a little behind. Let me slow down. Back to that breath of the Lord. 
But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. In other words, God wasn't having it. God wasn't happy about Jonah going the wrong direction, his disobedience. And I thought to myself, why didn't God just let Jonah go? I mean, the guy clearly doesn't want to go the right direction. Why didn't he just let him go? He's got 7 billion other people on the planet. Find somebody else to do it. He could have. Many times he has to. (laughs) But the reason God caused this great storm to begin to break Jonah's ship apart was because God doesn't let go. God doesn't let go. He doesn't give up on us like we give up on us. There's a story of this young boy went out in his backyard and he decided he was going to run down to the pond and go swimming. And as he was running towards the bank, there was an alligator in the middle of the pond swimming towards the bank. And his dad happened to look up and see the situation right before the sun got to the water. He started screaming, waving his arms, running down there, but it was too late. The boy already splashed into the pond. He was about waist deep when the alligator grabbed him by the legs and started twisting him and trying to pull him under, but his dad got there just in time and grabbed him by the arms, his fingernails digging in, holding. But the alligator was stronger than the man. He was twisting and turning, but the man would not let go of his son. Thankfully, a farmer happened to be driving by, caught the situation, jumped out with a shotgun, and was able to put the alligator down in time to get to rush the boy to the emergency room. They were able to, to save the boy's life, Several weeks went by, a newspaper reporter shows up to do a story on the alligator attack, and the little, he says, let me see what happened, and the little boy pulls his pants legs up, and he's just scars, ugly, legs torn up where the the gator had grabbed hold, but but they think he's going to be okay, but the little boy says, let me show you something. And he pulled his sleeves up and said, look, look at the scars on my arms. This is where dad wouldn't let go. He was more excited about dad not letting go. And dad won't let go of you. And some of you are wondering why my life is so hard. It's because God is holding on to you and he's not letting go. It's like dad, them fingernails are hurting us, they're uncomfortable. But he's saving you from the alligator of of, of your life that want to destroy you, want to kill your dream for good. God will not let go, even if he has to break up your ship to do it. God is holding on to you. Jesus said in John 10, 29, For my Father has given them to me, and he's more powerful than anyone else, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. You are held. Verse 5 of our text says, Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors... They shouted to their gods, little g-gods. They had false gods, and we we know there's only one God. But they shouted to these false gods for help and threw their cargo overboard to lighten the ship. I mean, this, this is a big storm. But all the time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hole. So the captains went down after him. How can you be asleep at a time like this? Get up. Pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Jonah, your ship is breaking apart. What are you doing sleeping? Get up. What are you doing? 
you probably know somebody in your life right now headed to Tarshish. How many know somebody that's running from God, running from their call, and their life is breaking apart, and everybody else can see it, but they can't see it? And you just want to shake them and say, wake up! Can't you see that this storm God is, is where God is clenching and grabbing you and holding on to you is, is bringing a storm on us too? Wake up. Zoning out is what I call it. They zone out. It's like a coping mechanism for people whose ships are breaking up. Some people use drugs and alcohol to aid in the process, to mask over the shame that they feel. I've noticed in the society which we live, uh, just a bad of addiction in my opinion, is people are turning, they're zoning out in a, in a new virtual world online. They're creating a new identity for themselves. They don't like the person they see in the mirror, so they create an online identity. And they get addicted to who, how many likes they have on Facebook. So those who are on Facebook right now, just, act, just put, put it in your pocket. <laughs> Look, that's not real. Okay, so you got 300 likes on your post. You, you went viral. That's in a virtual world. That's not real. I hate to bust your bubble. It's glad, I'm glad you have people, but to them, it's just as fake as it is to you. It's not real. It's not face-to-face. It's not flesh and blood. It's people putting out what they want you to see. You can't live in that world. So I beg you, church, come out from amongst them. I believe this is about the spirit of the, of the living God, what I'm telling you right now. Live your own life. Not the virtual you, but the real life that you have. I didn't mean to go there, but we went. <laughs> probably made everybody mad. Probably three people next Sunday. <laughs> I'm going to that online church. I don't like his preaching. <laughs> I'm serving that virtual God. Verse 7 of our text. People zone out. They're not living their life. If you're not following your call, you're just zoning out. You're not being who God created you to be. That's not a good place. It's running from God. Verse 7 says, Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah, as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What nationality? They're a little bit upset. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I, I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told, he had already told them that he was running from the Lord. They said, oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? This is amazing what he says. 
Verse 12, Jonah replies, throw me into the sea and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Jonah has barely left the port of misdirection. They just got out to sea, and his life has already become meaningless to him. It hadn't been that long ago since he's bought that ticket to Tarshish, and already he's saying, throw me in the sea, it's over with. It don't take long before running from God will have you just say, throw me overboard. Because our hearts, it knows no shame like being found out as a fraud in this life. We all want to be what we're called to be, do the great things we know that we're supposed to do. None of us wants to be, be called out or be shown to be a fraud, to be living a virtual life when they're supposed to be living a real life, or be going to Tarshish when they're supposed to be going to Nineveh. The question I would have for Jonah, Jonah, why didn't you just stop? Why didn't you just, instead of being thrown overboard, why didn't you just say, God, I repent, I'm sorry. I'll get off at the next port, just stop the storm, I, I, I'm sorry. Why don't we do that? If that's you and you're heading in the wrong direction, why don't you just stop before you're thrown overboard? Before God has to call some... Look, a storm is coming. There's, if you're following the Lord, a storm is coming. The wind and the rain beat upon all our houses. But if you ain't standing on a rock, if you ain't built your ha house on the rock, your house is going to fall. Get out of that house and get in your real house. Get in your wheelhouse, so to speak. Why didn't he just repent? The storm would have stopped. Instead, he sinks even further from his calling. Literally. Say, it's a shame. I'm talking about a lot of people in America today. I'm talking about a lot of people in the church today. It's a shame. And you know what shame is? Shame is a tool from the devil. It's a tool that the devil uses to keep us locked into our foolish decisions of the past. Shame causes us to run from God when we should be running to Him. That's one of the biggest things I see when I talk to people. They run from God. They sin. They make a mistake. People are so excited about Jesus. They get born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. They go through that infancy stage. They're on top of the world. But the moment the sun comes and the cares of life and the things... And boy, their seed just doesn't feel like it's planted in solid ground anymore. They jump up, eat their seed, and run from God. But guess what? The psalmist says in Psalms 139.7, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, or if I'm thrown into them, <laughs> even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. 
You can run from God, but you can't hide. Where are you going to go? So who are you really fooling if you think you're fooling God? Yourself. You're running from yourself. You're fooling yourself. You're trying to tell yourself that what you're doing will work out in the end, but it won't. God is breaking apart your ship because you're running to Tarshish and you're supposed to be going to Nineveh. Verse 13 says, Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land because they didn't want to throw him overboard. They didn't want this on their shoulders. But the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, the big L Lord, Jonah's God, the one true God. I, even these sailors, and you know what kind of reputation the sailors got, even these sailors recognized that they better obey this Lord God of Jonah's that would cause this sea to do this. They said, oh Lord, they plead, don't make us die for this man's sins and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. In other words, we don't know why you're doing this. This is between you and him, but please don't bring it on us. Whatever's going on between you and Jonah, have mercy on us. And I wrote this, when dealing with the Jonas in your life, there may be a time you need to let them go and put them in God's hands. Especially some of you parents. Proverbs 14, 14 says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Don't let the backslider fill you with their ways and bring you down with them. You do all you can, you pray for them, but at some point you've got to turn the backslider who is full of his ways over to God before he brings you and your family down with them. That's what these, soul, these, these sailors were saying. I, but whatever's going on between you and God, y'all need to settle that. But for that reason, I'm out. Like a shark tank. Am I the only one who watches that show? Verse 15. I'm not saying don't love them. I'm not saying just be led by the Spirit. Be careful. Don't be an enabler. Some people are, some people are running from God and are depending on you to pay their bills while they run for God. How, is, how are they going to come to the end of themselves when you're supplying their every need like you're their God? Let God take them. Let God. God knows what he's doing. That's the hardest thing for us parents sometimes. I don't know why I'm talking about parents, but maybe that's who it is that's it's the hardest to let go of your children when they want to go down that path. But you know you probably went down it too. You know. Verse 15. Before I just get it too real here today, let's move on. <laughs> Verse 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up and they threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by God's awesome power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Verse 17 says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. 
and Jonah inside the, was inside the fish for three days and three nights. See, God already had a plan. Remember, God doesn't let go. Even if you be thrown into the sea, God doesn't let go. It's only when we let go of ourselves that we get in trouble. God's grace, it came in the, in the form of a big fish. Isn't it neat how the symbol of Christianity is the little fish? God's grace came in the form of a big fish. What do you do? All right, say that's you. You've been running. You feel like you, your ships broke apart. You've been cast into the sea by all your friends and loved ones. But you find that God's grace is still there. What do you do when grace swallows you up? See, that's what some of us need to understand. God's grace will never leave you. God's not going to let you go. And many of you have been in the, the belly of that great fish for more than three days, and you've had time to think about it. You've had in the belly of indecision is what I call it. Not the valley of indecision, but the belly of indecision. Why did it take him three days once he's swallowed up by a fish? I thought he should have repented on board. <laughs> but he walks the plank, so to speak, and now he's swallowed up by a big fish. It still takes Jonah three days. Are you going to camp in the belly of your indecision? You've been down this road. You have seen the bottom. Do you want to camp there in the darkness? Mm. Jonah, on the third day, finally got real with his predicament and surrendered to God. Thank you, Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I feel like I need to stop there for a moment. Just a sidetrack, I'm sorry. I know we're running out of time. Some people think, that's why I don't believe in God, because of these stories about man living in a fish or whatever. That just don't sound possible to me. That's why I don't. God created the universe and everything in it. He can keep a man alive in a tadpole if he wants to. I see these shows on the History Channel. The, the be belly of the whale is only so big and a man. It said a great fish. It didn't say a whale. We don't know what God did, but we know God can. Stop arguing with God trying to figure out things in your own human mind. God, we serve a supernatural God, not a natural God. He doesn't need the natural things to make it happen. He can make it super. I just had to say that. Rebuke the History Channel. All right. So Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. He goes on for about six more verses, and in verse 9, 
He sums it up. He says, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And he said, I will fulfill my vows. Look at whoever's sitting next to you and say, I will fulfill my vows. Especially if it's your husband or wife. You know. He says, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He's the only one that can save you. You can't save yourself. Your boss can't save you. Nobody in Tarshish is even wanting to save you. He alone can save you. He's the only, he's the only one who will get you from here to heaven. Only, only method of salvation in the world. It says, then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. See how easy that was, Jonah? See how easy it was? Just that quick, God has put Jonah back on the solid ground. He's been in the depths of the ocean. Now he's on solid ground. And he realizes God is to, to be more feared than any situations that I had been afraid of, any task that he has assigned me to do. If God can calm the sea, if God can cause the storm, if God can prepare the big fish, if God can keep me under the depths of the ocean for three days, can he get me to where he's trying to get me? If his grace is that big, isn't his grace sufficient for all things? Isn't he able to get me across the finish line? I got a question. I wrote it down. Would you rather be spewed out of a fish's mouth or out of God's mouth? Because the Bible says, if you're lukewarm, God will spew you out of his mouth. If you've been through all this, you've heard this message before, you know God's grace, he sustained you, you'd have been coming back and like a yo-yo, you're like a yo-yo, professional yo-yo, up and down, up and down. You done seen all this and you still end up lukewarm? In the end, you're going to be spewed out of God's mouth. If you've been spewed out of the big fish, take that as a warning. Don't be spewed out of God's mouth. Jonah 3.1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Some of us, it's been more than a second time. But he says, get up, and he's got a new plan for him, right? Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Second verse, same as the first. The plan has not changed. Reminds me of the old Beatles song. Get back to where you once belonged. Get back, Jonah. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, maybe that's not exactly how it went. But your calling is right where you left it. It may have been... Tailored differently now because you're coming back with a bunch of barnacles on you or something. I don't know what your situation is when you get back. You may be older or whatever. But the calling of God is still there. The callings and the gifts of God are without repentance. So get back to where you once belonged. Start over again. He can still get you to your destination. So how did it all work out, the story of Jonah? 
Well, Jonah went to Nineveh, and the whole city of Nineveh, a huge city, took three days to walk around it. The whole city got saved. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Jonah? That's awesome. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 41. Now, this is in the New Testament. Jesus is talking about this. He said, the people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. He's talking about that story. He's saying how those people, God had said they were a wicked city, but that wicked city repented when Jonah finally got in his calling under the anointing and preached, and the whole city got saved. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! But now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. Remember that scripture we started with that Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, the Son of Man? It wasn't because he was running from God. It wasn't because of his own sins. He was there to pay for the sins of us who are running from God, who won't serve God. And he's saying here, if Nineveh repented, a pagan city, at the preaching of Jonah, that wackadoo cat, If they repented, you won't repent at the preaching of Jesus himself, the Son of God? You won't repent now that you have it written in black and white? You won't repent that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God? Knowing what you know, living in the time that we live, such an hour as this, knowing that you were called for such a time as this. And you still want to run from God and build your kingdom like that's going to last instead of building God's kingdom. What are you thinking? We're without excuse. I hope you come out of the belly of indecision if that's you here today. I hope God is dealing with your heart. That thing that you know God called you to do, that first direction he gave you that you said no and you've just been feeling shame and guilt and all these things. and You've been hiding and you bought your ticket to Tarshish and you thought that would get away from this call, but you know today that you have a call and you know that you're running and you're not fooling anybody. I pray that you'll come out of that belly of indecision. But I I pray this, too, that you come out more like Jesus did when he came out of the belly of the earth, resurrected, full of fire, ready to change the world. Because let me show you how Jonah came out. A little different. See, Jonah's legacy will never be that he saved the great city of Nineveh. He should be talked about in the Hall of Fame, you know, the heroes of faith. He surrendered, finally, to the great commission to go but the knucklehead did not surrender to the great commandment as we will see he surrendered to the great commission but not to God's love and the great 
commission really won't benefit you without the great commandment. Because what are we but a, a, a clanging cymbal or a gong or something without love? Jonah 4.1. It says the change of plans greatly upset Jonah. What change of plans? Well, Jonah's plan was he was going to preach and they wasn't going to listen and they was all going to go to hell. That's where he wanted them to go. What? And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. He said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Dude, you've been in the, in the seaweed too long. Because what's coming out of your breast smells like some, some well stomach acid or something. Putrid. Are there really people who have tasted of the goodness of God? Really people that have been saved and set free when they know that they were a wretched old man? Are there people that really been saved and now they care nothing about anybody else getting saved? They just going to keep it to themselves? Been saved 27 years and never told the first person about Jesus. That would be hard enough to explain. But to explain that you want them to go to hell? Good luck with that one when y'all talk to God. Mm. That's not us, people. We are, we are on the way to Nineveh. We're always on the way to Nineveh. We're preaching under anointing. We're telling people about Jesus. We talked about the power of the invite a couple of weeks ago. How just inviting somebody to church is putting you in the gospel game. It ain't that hard. Just put your toe in and get, get started. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let fear... Make you a monster. Because that's not you. You care more about your pride or your dignity or that you might offend somebody by telling them that God loves them. If you've been running from God's calling, no matter the reason, whether you're afraid or you're selfish, you're just rebellious. I don't know. My hope is that you'll wake up today and smell the seaweed. Come out of the belly of indecision. It's, you know what? It's never been about your ability anyway. Those of you who are afraid, it's never been about your ability. God didn't look at you and say, well, they're able, so I'll call them. No, he calls the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. It's never been about your ability. It's been about your availability. All you got to do is say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. So tear up that ticket to Tarshish 
Just tear it up right now. Say, I'm not going there anymore, God. If you're going to go overboard in this life, go overboard loving people. Walk the plank of the straight and narrow. The one that leads to the eternal benefits that God gives to those who obey both God's great plans. The great commission and the great commandment. That's God's great plans for each and every one of you. That's why you're here. That's why you didn't get translated into heaven the moment you gave your heart to Jesus because there's work to do. I know you got a job. I know you got commitments. I know you got bills. I know this life is tough and and you get busy. But it gets busy because you're not putting Jesus first. And your life is not rolling right. It's not, your life is not, with Jesus not in the center, it's just like a flat tire. I try to be serious. How about we leave here today and make a really big splash for Jesus? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.